0: The Stone Zone, with legendary Republican strategist and political icon and pundit, Roger Stone. Stone has served as a senior campaign aide to three Republican presidents. He is a New York Times best-selling author and a longtime friend and advisor of President Donald Roger Trump. Stone. As an outspoken libertarian, Stone has appeared on thousands of broadcasts, spoken at countless venues, and lectured before the prestigious Oxford Political Union and the Cambridge Union Society. Due to his four-plus decades in the political and cultural arena, Stone has become a pop culture icon. And now, here's your host, Roger Stone.
1: Welcome. I'm Roger Stone. Thank God it's Friday, and yes, you are back in the Stone Zone. President Donald Trump and his allies won an important legal victory yesterday. Uh, It is a welcome respite from the setbacks at the hands of a politicized judiciary system in the states and at the federal level. Uh, Here to help me uh, break it down is my co-host from Slingshot.News, Troy Smith. Troy, welcome back into the Stone Zone.
0: Roger, as always, it's an honor to be here, and uh, especially after uh, such a big day yesterday where we had President Trump and President Biden both at the southern border, eager to get into that right away here. But as you said, a major legal victory uh, for President Trump that we're gonna talk about later in the show. But I wanna start things off, Roger, by talking about the border because we saw President Trump visit Eagle Pass yesterday and meet with uh, Texas Governor Abbott, who. He actually said, uh, and and we saw reports this morning, that Trump uh, said absolutely he's considering Abbott for his vice president. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on that right off the bat, on how you feel about uh, Governor Greg Abbott possibly becoming Trump's vice president. Uh,
1: It's an interesting notion. For those who've just uh, tuning in, joining us very shortly uh, is a patriot uh, for whom I have enormous respect. Uh, Greg Stenstrom is a graduate of the U.S. Naval Academy. He has served his country with distinction. He is one of the foremost uh, leaders in the country on the question of computer sciences, social media, extensive experience uh, in uh, security, fraud investigations, problem solving. And he represented himself uh, in a vital legal battle in Pennsylvania We're going to get to that a little later in the show, but you don't want to go anywhere because Greg Stenstrom deserves to take a victory lap today, and he's going to do so right here uh, on the Stone Zone. Uh, That's an interesting uh, question you raised, Troy, because, well, among other things, Texas is uh, not a reliably red state. It may have that reputation, a poll that I saw yesterday in the U.S. Senate race, showed that uh, Ted Cruz was literally in a 41-41 dead heat with his Democratic opponent for the U.S. Senate. So, uh, there is probably no candidate in the country who better symbolizes the need to seal our border uh, than Governor Greg Abbott. So, uh, look, I don't know what the president will ultimately decide. I made it very clear from the beginning, uh, that uh, I've talked about a number of candidates I find interesting or intriguing, but I'm endorsing no one. I'm waiting until the president makes his decision, then and only then uh, will I support a candidate. That will be the candidate he chooses. But yesterday's juxtaposition at the border could not have been a uh, more stark. Uh, Trump looked terrific. Uh, Joe Biden looked like, well, he wasn't sure where he was, really.
0: Well, that's exactly right, Roger. And we're going to run a clip real quickly. Can I just want to break this down real quickly so everybody understands? The media is trying to make this a situation and I know this because I I work with the the flow of information. I work with news uh, aggregates and people and syndicators and things like that. They're setting it up so that in order to talk about Biden's cognitive decline, you have to talk about Trump's cognitive decline. And they are talk- and we're going to get into that in a second. I want to talk about that with you, Roger, because I think uh, your voice is very important on this issue. Um, but first, I want to show a clip we have of Joe Biden kind of uh, stumbling around yesterday at the border. And I want you guys to take a look at this guy walking around the border, President Biden, and, and, and just ask yourself, does this look like somebody who's in charge? Does this look like somebody who's capable of leading our country in this very difficult time? Uh, let's go ahead and run that clip.
1: That speaks volumes. I mean, uh, the fact that Joe Biden is frail, uh, the fact that he is, uh, that he's in decline, this was noted by his own former speechwriter, John Favreau, uh, in a podcast just the other day. So we're getting to the point where even Democrats uh, are saying it. Uh, I'm not even sure why he went to the border. First of all, I really don't understand why he went to East Palestine, Ohio, All that did was underline the fact that when he should have gone, back when the crisis took place, he didn't go. And when he, by the time he did go, it was very clear that the people there were very angry. It's like, where have you been? Too little, too late. Uh, it, It is pretty clear to me that Joe Biden didn't decide to go to the border until he heard that President Trump was going
0: to the border. Well, Roger, and that's a very important point that you just made, because as people know, President Trump announced his visit to the border before Joe Biden's. Biden only came in afterwards and said he was going to visit the border. And again, so we're going to play a clip here from MSNBC and Lawrence O'Donnell, who we played the clip of just a few days ago, Losing His Mind, which is a classic, um, Lawrence O'Donnell went on TV last night attempting to claim that Trump was stuttering and and, and having trouble speaking during his event uh, and, and his speech at the border, which was just completely false. He plays a clip in which nothing happens, and he sits there and smirks at the clip as if he's showing something uh, that that's going to change the minds of the American people. So they're framing this as... Trump's mental decline coupled with Biden's mental decline because they're finally starting to recognize Biden's decline. And they can't do that without also giving a dig to Trump because it it indicts their entire narrative. So let's roll the clip of Lawrence O'Donnell flat out lying last night about Trump's visit to the border. Donald Trump desperately
2: tried to compete with President Biden's visit to the Southern border today by going to another spot on the border, 350 miles away from the president where once again, Donald Trump spoke gibberish about the border.
1: Millions of people from places unknown, from countries unknown, who don't speak languages. We have languages coming into our country. We have nobody that even speaks those languages.
2: No, we have people in this country who speak every language. And then Donald Trump added this lie about the people who are crossing the southern border.
1: These are the people that are coming into our country and they're coming from jails and they're coming from prisons and they're coming from mental institutions and they're coming from insane asylums and they're terrorists. They're being let into our our country and uh, it's horrible. It's horrible.
2: Needless to say, that is not an accurate description of the people crossing the border. He's lying about the people who cross the border and who they are, but at the same time, Donald Trump is doing everything he can to help everyone who is illegally crossing the border now to continue illegally crossing
0: now, Roger, just I want to get your reaction, but let's point out real quickly that the bill that they're talking about would have allowed millions of illegal immigrants into this country every year. So the idea that Trump tanked the bill in the first place is ridiculous. But the, on top of it, the idea that this bill would have prevented illegal immigration. I mean, Roger, your thoughts?
1: Well, first of all, the idea that the people crossing into the country are model citizens is just not so. Uh, it's important to understand literally nothing that Lawrence O'Donnell says is accurate or true or can be believed. I'm surprised that he can sit up, frankly. Uh, This is, uh, but it is, once again, Alinsky's rules. Anything they themselves are doing, they immediately uh, blame on uh, Donald Trump. Uh, I think people understand who caused the problem uh, at the border. It was not Donald Trump and the Republicans. In fact, border crossings during the time particularly in the final year of Trump's presidency, had trickled off to almost nothing, illegal border crossings. Uh, Those who say, well, uh, we may have had as many as 10 million people uh, enter the country, um, I think that number's woefully low based on experts that I speak to. I mean, it's it's almost laughable, but then MSNBC is laughable. This isn't a, a news
0: outlet. This is a propaganda front. Well, Roger, and I think that's important to highlight, and especially the the turnover of Biden administration officials going to MSNBC. It's almost like a revolving door. Um, And and we had a lot of, there's a lot to get to today. And we we obviously have a great guest coming on in the second half of the show. You're not going to want to miss that. Uh, But this morning, Roger, I saw a video that I wanted to bring up and get your opinion on that we can play here. Uh, Nikki Haley made a statement where she's kind of urging judges to hurry up and to, to, to move legal case, Trump's legal cases ahead uh, very quickly. And and I think it's important to highlight for those who didn't see it, you need to go watch uh, Roger and I's show yesterday with, uh, with, uh, with uh, uh, lawyer uh, David Schoen, who's, who's just an absolute genius when it comes to this stuff. He was highlighting the fact that there is a, there's a real thing happening here where a lot of these cases are falling apart, whether it be Georgia, uh, in New York, he, he talked about that case in depth, and he talked about Florida in depth, which we're also gonna get to uh, today. But uh, I think it's important to highlight uh, that, that there's a real movement here uh, where, where Trump is, is getting a benefit. And, and at the same time, uh, now they're saying, oh, Nikki Haley's saying, we gotta rush, we gotta get judgments, we gotta get them right now, let's see that video
2: but i think it's important that all of that come out now so that we're not dealing with it later i think he's hoping it comes out later so that he can make it all go away yeah. but either way we've we've got a problem on our hands yeah. i mean Chaos follows Donald Trump wherever he goes. We continue to see this play out, and we can't be a country in disarray and a world Mm -hmm. on fire and go through four more years of chaos. We won't survive it. How much of a uh, priority do you think it should be for these cases to get resolved before November,
0: regardless of not? I just think
2: they need to do things quickly. If it's it's hearing a case, do it quickly. If it's an appeal, do it quickly.
0: Roger, your thoughts on that?
1: Uh, Troy, uh, 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 this is very clearly election interference. Uh, Nikki Haley, much like Governor Ron DeSantis, uh, perhaps even uh, Joe Biden himself, well, they're hoping that President Trump gets hit by a bus or that he he has some legal reason that would somehow prevent him from uh, returning to the White House. That really isn't going to happen. Uh, And it's a heck of a thin read uh, for you to base a presidential campaign on. Uh, After Super Tuesday, which is just a few days from now, it's going to become virtually mathematically impossible for Nikki Haley to emerge as the Republican nominee uh, for president. So, uh, look, I I just I'm not really sure why she's staying in this race. Is it to uh, provide maximum damage to Donald Trump so that they reward her with a bunch of other uh, defense contractor corporate boards? Or has she been promised a cabinet job in some future Democratic nomination uh, administration? Should there be one? Uh, It's really not apparent to me, uh, but she's moving backwards in the polls. She has no prospect of being nominated. uh, And what she's calling for is election interference. The public interest uh, in a quick election Uh, is not higher than the public interest in getting some of these important constitutional issues correct. So the only reason they want to rush uh, is to impact uh, the Trump freight train that is hurtling towards the White
0: House. Well, that's that's a very good point roger and i think uh, it highlights the uh the difference between some of these cases you know Desantis claimed the whole time that he was on the, the the front lines of the culture war and yet he wasn't being attacked legally the way that trump has been uh yesterday uh or, or earlier this week uh, roger we aired a clip of mark cuban talking about possibly running for president um, and we talk, I, I, I made the prediction here that, that Mark Cuban will actually be the top of the no-labels ticket heading into 2024. Um, and I've been, we haven't had time the last couple of days. I wanted to ask you, uh, do you think it's possible that Mark Cuban runs for president? And, and if he did, do you think it would be under a no-labels ticket?
1: Uh, you know, it's interesting. We know from history there was a time in the past uh, when uh, Steve Bannon from the War Room approached uh, Mark Cuban and urged him to run for president. Uh, And at that time, Cuban, and I don't think there's any evidence that he is a conservative, certainly not an America first person, uh, had uh, any interest. Now, would it be uh, beneficial to them to have a a, a billionaire? Yes, uh, I think it it probably would. Uh, On the other hand, um, I, I don't see any appetite. So, I think that that is uh, largely, Troy, uh, a pipe dream. Troy, I've just read this amazing piece in the Gateway Pundit about this uh, legal case in Pennsylvania, Uh, and I'd like to go to it, and we can come back and finish politics at the end of the show. But uh, I don't want to leave Greg Stenstrom waiting uh, in the wings here any longer. I'm very excited to have him. I'm very excited about his victory. Let's bring him on. Uh, and open this up because it hasn't gotten the kind of media coverage it really deserves. A great piece now. I just saw it in the Gateway Pundit, uh, which kind of sums up an extraordinary victory. Uh, you and I have kept in touch, low these many months. Uh, you and Leah Hoops, who is a great woman, great patriot, uh, you uh, were involved in this long running litigation. Uh, where ultimately you represented yourselves, pro se, uh, while you are undoubtedly a brilliant guy, uh, Naval Academy graduate, one of the smartest patriots I know. You're not an attorney, but you put these attorneys to shame. So tell us what this case was about and and tell us what transpired.
3: Well, this was a defamation case against uh, President Trump, uh, Rudy Giuliani, uh, Phil Klein, the former Kansas Attorney General, uh, the Thomas Moore Society, and uh, myself, Leah Hoops, and Jenna Ellis. And the crux of the case was it was a defamation suit brought forward by the voting machine uh, custodian. Uh, that, machine, that may seem like a, uh, a low-level job, but the man who filled this job, his name was James Savage. He was the former president of the Philadelphia U.S. Uh, Steelworkers, and uh, he's, a, uh, you know, he's worked with President Obama, the head of the AFL-CIO, he's, uh, he's a pretty big deal. And he filed a defamation suit against, uh, against all of us for you know, bringing him up as uh, participating in the stolen election of November 2020. So in a nutshell, um, Leah and myself were the only ones that we know of in the country that used the truth as a complete defense um, strategy and an affirmative defense, they call that. And we said everything we said was the truth. He absolutely did everything we said he did. They're all guilty as hell. Uh, they did, in fact, steal the election and they perverted 327,000 votes and they stole uh, a couple of hundred thousand votes that uh, not only turned the tide in Pennsylvania, but had a significant impact in the national election. Well, they objected to that and they used James uh, Savage as a proxy and uh, attacked all of us. Um, President Trump, uh, Mike Medeo, who's partners with Alina Haba, uh, he was representing Trump in the hearings up in Philadelphia. Uh, he was able to get a uh, one of the cases dismissed uh, for uh, legislative immunity, which is a technical thing. And then he got a stay uh, until President Trump is clear of his criminal, uh, all the criminal uh, al- allegations against him in, around the country. So. It was left to Leah and myself to, uh, you know, continue the, the case. So, in, in a nutshell, we won on the truth as a complete defense, and uh, they were unable to refute or dispute a single fact. Uh, and that is that uh, the, the elections in Delaware County, and we believe in Pennsylvania and around the country, were stolen. Stolen. Uh, we wrote a book about it called *The Parallel Election: A Blueprint for Deception*. And uh, we were the first ones to talk about the V drives, which I think people understand what V drives are now that that follow your show at least. And uh, also the mail-in ballots and how they faked mail-in ballots and and how they perverted the elections. So I think it was a big win. Um, My understanding is is that there were 68 cases uh, with President Trump that he's been sued in various capacities around the country And uh, to my understanding, this was the first case that actually got to a significant level of discovery where the judge actually let the discovery in. And it's the first one that was done by pro se defendants. So uh, what we've been saying now is uh, Trump is now, uh, President Trump, excuse me, is now one in 68. So uh, I think that's a pretty big deal. Uh, We were excited. And I think President Trump uh, uh, could take a victory lap himself. And, and I hope uh, it, it will continue on in Pennsylvania and he can regain uh, he can win the state of Pennsylvania uh, as a result.
1: So does the lawsuit uh, remain alive as far as the president is concerned since he got a stay? or is the, no? The
3: suit- uh, what happened was in, on January 10th, uh, we were offered a settlement. Leah and myself were offered a settlement to uh, they, they, you know, to depart the case. They said they would let Leah and myself depart the case on January 10th, uh, we've been beating the heck out of them in all the hearings. And uh, we said, no, one goes, we all go, and we'll be happy to, you know, keep beating your ass in court at at the trial. So, you know, your decision, you let us all go, uh, and then we'll have a discussion and, you know, we'll go for monetary damages against you later. But right now you have to let Trump, uh, President Trump and uh, Rudy Giuliani out. They already had a judgment against uh, uh, Mayor Giuliani. Uh, for, they, they were suing him for a million dollars and they had a default judgment against him. So he was he was on the on the line to have to pay quite a bit of money. And President Trump would have had to come back uh, with Alina and uh, Mike Medeo to defend himself, to continue to defend himself, you know, through the end of the year and during the campaign, which was, I think, the intent of the lawsuit. But that's it. It's all done. It's uh, It was uh, just uh, discontinued with prejudice. Uh, the judge... Uh, cited sanctions and cited uh, misconduct by the attorney uh and we will be coming back at them now to uh now that we've proven that the you know the truth is a complete defense and the election of 2020 was stolen at least here in delaware county
1: this is an extraordinary victory uh it demonstrates uh the power of prayer and hard work uh and persistence uh greg you've been telling me for many months you were going to win this and I've watched it. I read every one of your pro se filings. They were brilliant. Uh, where is it, what are the implications for this going forward, both in Pennsylvania and nationally, hopefully?
3: Well, I think uh, most of the people in the country, the majority of the people in this country now believe and know uh, that they believe that the election was stolen, but now they know. And I think the big thing here is that no one can, uh, they can't use the... Uh, the pundits, bad actors, uh, Democrats, uh, whoever, they can't say that, well, there's no evidence of election fraud and elections were the safest and most secure ever. Uh, we now have hard physical evidence that's been entered. Uh, 276 yeah. gigabytes of yeah. documents, emails, videos, audios that plainly showed election officials, senior election officials, uh, stealing the election. They clearly show collusion with uh, people in the Department of Justice, uh, including Attorney General Barr, uh, uh, Governor Shapiro. It shows collusion up and down the chain uh, that could be used in his other cases. Uh, any Anyone who keep, comes back at President Trump or you know, Mayor Giuliani or anybody who says that there's election fraud, we now have a body of evidence they can go back to. And I think um, most importantly, is it gives veracity to the other cases that we have. We didn't just stop in 2020. Uh, We knew the elections were stolen. Now people know they were stolen, but we also moved forward uh, over the last uh, four years and we filed um, recount cases, multiple election fraud cases in in the state of Pennsylvania. And we currently have recount cases in um, Fayette County, uh, Chester County, Delaware County, and these are big counties. And I think that there's more. The judges are more inclined to look at this and go, "Well, there really was fraud, and I better get, you know, get better get behind these things and do the recounts." And I, th- that's a big win because um, people want to know for sure. I think everybody uh, believes there was fraud, but now we know it for a fact. And President Trump can say it as much as he wants because the pay- the case was was dismissed with prejudice. Uh, which means President Trump, Rudy Giuliani, Roger, any any of the news media can definitively state there was a massive election fraud in the state of Pennsylvania, and uh, we're going to redress it. And we're going to hopefully fix this before the November election, when President Trump will be running in the general election.
1: Uh, this is very, very truly a landmark case. Uh, Troy, do you have a question for Greg Stenstrom?
0: Absolutely, Greg. Uh, We we, uh, talked a little bit about factcheck.org, and and I'd like you to go into that a little bit because it's very important information and how this is being rigged kind of against the truth. Sure.
3: One of the tactics that they've used, and they used it against Roger, Mike Flynn, Paul Manafort, President Trump, is that they place an article or they place some news story and they say, oh, uh, you've been debunked. So shortly after the election and after our our, our legislative appearances at the Pennsylvania uh, Senate uh, in Gettysburg and after appearances in Arlington, Virginia, where we stated reiterated the fraud, um, what they did is they placed an article with FactCheck.org, and a lot of people think uh, the fact checkers are some sort of uh, news organization. Well, FactCheck.org is. Uh, actually the Annenberg Public Policy Center in the University of Pennsylvania. They're one in the same. It's a non-governmental organization uh, that is a partisan organization. And the chairman of that organization is Joe Biden. And the Chinese donated $55 million to the Annenberg Public Policy Foundation. And Joe uh, Biden gets uh, a million dollars a year from the Annenberg Public Policy Center and the Biden chair. So basically, what they did is they placed an article and they said, all election fraud claims have been debunked. And then, because of the name factcheck.org, you know, we got the the, like the knucklehead that earlier from MSNBC you had on, you know, they go out and they say, look, you know, factcheck.org says that it's all been debunked. Well, those, what we found through our investigation was right in their billing records of the lawyers, the billing records say that they coordinated with facttech.org to place these false stories and to mitigate and put pressure you know just to say hey just to deny things in the press just like the person you had on there I don't even know the guy that from the MSNBC talking about the border earlier the, the guy just spouts off a bunch of crap and um, and then you know people are supposed to accept that as truth but from a legal perspective it's been a tactic that's been accepted by the courts now. Mm-hmm. And including the US Supreme Court, the Commonwealth Court, the state courts, the, the federal courts, where opposing attorneys will place an article and they'll say, hey, look, uh, this is our reference. Factcheck.org said it was fake. Okay. And then the courts say, oh, well, it was fake. That's, that's you know, if all you had to do when you were guilty was to place an article in, a, in some periodical that says, look, I'm innocent, then uh, it wouldn't go very well. We wouldn't need any courts. So, I think it was very significant that people need to understand that a lot of these fact check, factcheck.org, uh, they're a fraud. They are not a fact checking organization. They're a political organization run by, at the head of the, the heap, well, not run by Joe Biden, they pay Biden, but it's run by very, very bad actors and partisan uh, characters.
1: Uh, you're absolutely right. I had my own experience with factcheck.org. <clears throat> Uh, At one point, they actually, to my surprise, they actually published a story which correctly said that there, despite the ravings of Adam Schiff, there was really no evidence that I had collaborated in any way with WikiLeaks or received anything from them, never mind disseminating it to any third person. Then, as soon as I heralded that in, in public, they immediately wrote a second story saying, well... We can't reach that conclusion because there's not enough information to conclude that, which, of course, there was. Uh, These fact-checked organizations uh, are just another part of the jackals in the fake news media uh, spinning false narratives so that they can go back and point to them. People may not remember this, uh, but essentially the FBI gave a copy of the phony steel dossier uh, to uh, a reporter at Yahoo dot com, who then uh, reported that so that the FBI could then point back at the story they had planted that uh, was a story by Mike Isikoff, uh, and say, mm-hmm. oh, you see, Isakoff wrote it, therefore it must be a fact uh, Isikoff's uh, newest book uh, is lauding the greatness of Fannie Wills uh, that courageous woman prosecutor, in which uh, he basically says uh, in the promos for his book that he had access to highly confidential grand jury uh, information. If that's true, well, then Mr. Isakoff has broken the law. We're working on that story. Uh, this, is a, this is an extraordinary victory. I cannot tell you how happy I am for you uh, and for Leah. This has been a long, lonely fight. I know, Greg, that you made it without help from anybody, uh, but that you never threw in the towel. You never gave up. This is living proof, not only that Jesus Christ can do anything, uh, but when you're right and you stick to the facts and you refuse to quit fighting, victory can be won. Congratulations.
3: Thank you very much, Roger. And, and put on the full armor of God like you do every day and President Trump does. And and Mike Lindell and and uh, you know, Troy, you put on the full armor of God and press forward. And, uh, and we do what we can. Thank you very much, Roger. It's always a pleasure.
1: Greg, it's a great honor to see you. And again, if there's anybody who deserves to celebrate tonight, well, that would be you. Give my very best to Leah Hoop. She's a great woman, a great patriot in her own right. And thank you so much for joining us on The Stone Zone.
3: Thank you, Roger. Thank you, Troy.
1: All right, Troy, I'm going to go to a shameless commercial break to keep the lights on and then we'll go back to your uh, political news agenda. Uh, folks, um, I'm very, very particular about the products that I promote here at the Stone Zone, uh, but uh, I have found one all-natural supplement uh, that I myself use. Now, I'm a longtime aficionado uh, and uh, a believer in alternative medicine. I'm not saying that all Western medicine is bad. Uh, but uh, I, I do take a substantial number of all natural supplements, Chinese herbs, uh, and go to acupuncture for prophylactic reasons. But there is one product that has made a huge difference in my life, and it is called uh, Cardio Miracle. Cardio Miracle. Now, Cardio Miracle uh, is nitric oxide. It's a pri- proprietary blend of octri- oxy nitri- nitrate. Uh, with uh, probably nitric oxide, uh, with a number of other uh, key antioxidant uh, ingredients. Nitric oxide exists as one of the body's most potent natural antioxidants. Normally, it is a short-lived gas produced in the walls of the arteries and veins. But as you age and get older, your natural production diminishes. Nitric oxide is essential for life and is involved in many critical body functions, especially keeping arteries, veins, uh, and uh, your heart uh, young, healthy, and flexible. Uh, It also contributes to keeping blood pressure and cholesterol at healthy levels. It supports the anti-inflammatory response. It promotes good general health as well as good sexual health. And this is most important for me, it supports natural energy and faster recovery. Cardio Miracle features uh, a nitric oxide blend, a proprietary blend, and also a blend of other key antioxidants. It is easy to take. You mix a capsule of it, a capful of it, essentially twice a day. Uh, mixing it with juice or with water has a pleasant taste, tastes kind of like raspberry. And it has made a very, very real difference in my life. So I recommend it to you. You can go to cardiomiracle.com. And when you do use promo code stone, that's cardiomiracle.com and use promo code stone. If you're one of those people who doesn't like to put your credit card information on the internet, you can dial 1-800-663-0158 when they answer, well, tell them once again uh, that you are using promo code STONE Uh, it is, uh, I I think, relatively inexpensive, I'm not a a doctor, I don't claim to be one if you have a heart problem, go see a cardiologist, Uh, but for general health uh, this is an all an all natural supplement that I think you'll be very pleased with. Thank you. All right, let's uh, return to uh, my colleague uh, Troy Smith uh, from Slingshot News uh, and get back at, back into the politics of today. Troy, take it away.
0: Roger, always an honor, and uh, I feel like you know we're talking first class here because if there's anybody that understands the political uh, goings-on and has seen it a few times, it's you. So uh, I, I'm very interested to get your thoughts on, on this uh, piece of news that we ran on slingshot.news just a few days ago, breaking news worldwide, uh, that McConnell, uh, Mitch McConnell is stepping down. He's announced that he's going to step down uh, as uh, the Senate Republican leader in, in uh, November of this year. Um, and, and this has kind of been a, a long thing coming, Roger, because McConnell has been showing signs that he's been slowing down and, and even having some some meltdowns in public uh, and and just, you know, forewarning, we're going to show you the video here for anybody that's dealt with this uh, kind of thing with their relatives or whatever. It's it's obviously it's tough to watch. Um, and, and it's scary to look at it from a political perspective because this is a guy with a tremendous amount of power it's a guy that that is supposed to be leading the republican caucus in the senate and he doesn't appear well let's run a clip of of mcconnell having one of his uh freeze uh moments just a few months ago before this announcement right now
3: after finishing the nda uh, this week has been good bipartisan cooperation and a string of uh, Else you want to say, or should I just go back to you? Mm-hmm. Do you want to say anything else to the press?
0: Go ahead, John.
2: So, this is the uh, we're coming up on the one year anniversary of the IRA, and um, of course, uh.
1: Well, Troy, first of all, we take no delight or or comfort or pleasure in that. Uh, I don't wish Mitch McConnell, who I've known since his days uh, as a county judge in Kentucky, it's kind of like a county executive. It's really an executive position rather than a judicial position. We don't wish him any ill will. On the other hand, there is this great tendency in Washington when people amass that kind of power uh, and in turn, amass that kind of wealth. They they never leave. They never go back to Pocatello, uh, as they say. Uh, Mitch McConnell came to Washington uh, dirt poor. He leaves uh, a multi 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 millionaire, according to his own filings, uh, as required by law. Uh, and uh, yes, I give him credit for uh, the uh, the confirmation. Of multiple uh, Republican Supreme Court nominees, in some cases, were me, Those are not the individuals that I would have appointed. But also, I'm not second-guessing President Trump. Uh, he also beat back uh, impeachment not once, uh, but twice. Uh, he should never be underestimated as a legislative strategist and operative. Uh, But I also agree with you. Uh, It's time for new blood. Uh, And um, he's already announced that he won't endorse President Trump. Not that I think it matters uh, one way or another. So uh, I'm glad uh, that Kevin McCarthy is no longer the speaker. Uh, uh, I'd like to see the new speaker do some things he hasn't done yet. But he's done some things uh, that I like. Uh, But yes, I think it's time for new leadership. Now, the obvious question is, um, who should replace him? Well, you do need someone who is capable of working with all factions and elements uh, within the Republican caucus. Uh, Unfortunately, that is reality. So I can't um, wave a wand and have the senator who I like the most in terms of policy— Um, that would be Senator Rand Paul. If I could make anyone the Senate majority leader, that's who I would choose. Uh, Rand Paul finds himself, even within his own caucus, when it comes to war and peace issues, when it comes to distrust of our uh, intelligence agencies, uh, when it comes to his distrust of the deep state, uh, when it comes to his deep commitment to uh, civil libertarianism, Uh, he finds himself often in a minority. He's also been completely fearless about questioning the COVID-19 pandemic uh, narrative put forward uh, by the government uh, and has paid a price for that. Some may also remember he was actually viciously attacked uh, in his own front yard by some lunatic. So uh, Rand Paul, like his father, He's a very good man. His father is actually a very great man. It was my great privilege, actually, in 1977, to work on Congressman Ron Paul's first special election uh, to the U.S. Congress uh, in the Houston suburbs. So um, in a perfect world, I guess that's who I would like. Um, I, I, I haven't counted votes within the Republican caucus so uh, I'm, I'm unsure, I'm uncertain uh, what the prospects uh, would be, uh, but I would think that he is uh, probably too independent for the caucus. Uh, I'm also not sure he'd be interested, frankly. It'd be very hard to maintain his outspoken independence, which I think is vitally important uh, at the same time to be the Republican leader. Um, Josh Hawley comes to mind as someone else who I would have a great a confidence in. I've heard some reference to J.D. Vance. I like J.D. Vance, but he's been a senator for less than two years. I think that is unlikely. Uh, John Cornyn of Texas would not be my choice, not be my choice. Um, my guess, I'm just, just a guess, uh, but I, I, my guess is you're probably uh, going to find someone uh, who is uh, more, oh, I don't know, uh, in the center of the party, but someone who can work effectively uh, with all factions. Uh, I'm really, uh, John Thune uh, comes to mind as a, a, as a potential. You could see in that clip uh, that John Thune, I mean, he's right out of central casting in terms of uh, uh, the television image of the party. Uh, and my guess is that he probably has a leg up, but again, I'm not handicapping uh, the the Republican Senate conference. Uh, Troy, who do you
0: like? I think uh, I think that Tim Scott is an interesting uh, choice. He would be an interesting uh, person to serve in that role, and he also has, you know, I, I just my question to you on that matter would be is. Like, how do you look at Tim Scott? Is he really somebody who gets along with just about everybody, or does he— I mean, to me, that's what it appears like, but is that is that your feel in the situation?
1: Well, uh, look, I like Tim Scott, uh, but I do think that he tends to be more of a neocon Republican. Uh, mm-hmm. Some have put him forward uh, as a potential candidate for vice president. Uh, I, I, I'm not convinced that he ha- yet has the experience and the depth— Uh, the temperament or the judgment uh, to be president. Uh, And frankly, his presidential campaign probably hurt his prospects uh, to be vice president because he never got any traction. One senator I should mention, uh, who I really kind of come around on, uh, I would not be unhappy at all if the Senate caucus took uh, Rick Scott, the senator uh, from uh, Florida. Uh, Rick Scott uh, is a uh, is very independent. Um, he is uh, uh, he can't be bought. Uh, he's uh, he's uh, endorsed President Donald Trump. Uh, he's strongly for Trump. Uh, I've I have some disagreements with him, particularly on some Second Amendment issues. I'm not saying I agree with him on everything, but I frankly think that that would be a good choice. And I'd also point out to you, Rick Scott had the courage to challenge Mitch McConnell when nobody else would. Uh, and that uh, that speaks to a, a level uh, of uh, independence and, and a level of courage that I think might uh, commend him
0: as a potential Senate majority leader. Well, and it's it's difficult, Roger, because like you said, the Senate, I think, is a much different game than the House. And it's a it's a much more refined political uh, chessboard than than the House. You know, I think you can get away with certain things in the House that you can't get away with in the Senate. And. Uh, like you said, that's gonna it's gonna require them to choose somebody who's kind of uh, more middle in the aisle. It's gonna be tremendously interesting. I think, um, I think, I think you hit the nail on the head with the South Dakota Senator uh, John Toon. He's gonna be at the top of that list. I think of people and and as of people, you know, I I pay attention to the campaign finance aspect of this, Roger, because I'm constantly looking uh, into that aspect of it, and uh, I've seen money uh, that traditionally was coming from people like Paul Singer um, into the coffers of Mitch McConnell over the last couple of years that's been going into Tunes uh, coffers a little bit more and more. Uh, there's more money heading into him his campaign as well as Tim Scott. That's why I mentioned him as well. Um, and, and you know you don't really know whether you know what the whole Tim Scott presidential thing was about how that'll play on things. but it's gonna to be tremendously interesting to see uh, who the Republicans select. And I think uh, it's an overall good thing. You know despite you know whatever had to happen for it to be there uh that kevin mccarthy and mitch mcconnell are no go- no longer going to be leading this party uh my question would be uh for mitch mcconnell we showed the health problems there uh i don't think anybody would deny that there's some serious issues uh and and if you listen to his speech he talked about um some of the issues that he's been having and and how it's a difficult time for his family and and you could see the the sentiment around it was kind of like, okay, he's going away. Now, uh, his Senate term doesn't expire until 2027, Roger, and he said that he will serve out that term. Um, with the Senate as close it is, as it is, um, and and especially with Kentucky being you know gaining traction and having more Democrat uh, influence, I believe the the governor of Kentucky is a Democrat, which would allow. Uh, if, if McConnell did step down, would allow them to kind of put in, uh, McConnell's place, uh, a, a Democrat, which would, which would, uh, give the Democrats a boost in the Senate. So my interest is in one who they're going to select and two, how long is McConnell going to be able to hang on and how do they play that situation? Because it looks to me, uh, like I, I'm not so sure that he's going to be able to make it to 2027. And just as a human being, just as somebody looking at him on a human level. I say, uh, I don't know how many years on earth he has left. I would hope that he doesn't spend his last days in Washington like Diane Feinstein, uh, clinging to that little bit of power because that is so sad, Roger. We, we want, you know, just as a human being, we want Mitch McConnell to, to enjoy the last few years he has. I hope that we can figure out something politically where it doesn't hurt the party, but at the same time, it's a, it's a difficult situation. I think it's something that the voters need to keep in mind as well. Um, when you head to the ballot box, uh, in November. you know, Joe Biden is is having a lot of the same problems that Mitch McConnell's having. And we we talk about it every day here, but if you look on the mainstream media, they don't wanna mention it. Um, and, and really, they don't mention McConnell either, I think because ultimately, Roger, that spotlight, if they start doing that, hey, mental decline, mental decline, which you're starting to do with Trump, I think it ultimately comes back to Biden. Uh, do you think, and this is just something for, you've watched these elections a lot longer than I have, do you think if the if the media continues to, to hammer the false claim that Trump is having some kind of cognitive decline, that that will stick? I, I mean, it doesn't seem to me that there's any evidence that would make people believe that, Roger. Do you?
1: No, this this is a joke. I watched that video multiple times. There was never any juncture in which Donald Trump could not remember his own wife's name. Now, it's ironic that of all things, Joe Biden picks that because there is, of course, a video where... Joe Biden seemed to confuse who was his wife and who was his sister. And that was a couple years ago. Uh, I've spent time with the president. Uh, I talk to him uh, occasionally. Uh, he's, uh, he's at the top of his game. I think he's as sharp as he has ever been. He's lost a little weight. He feels good. Uh, just th- just think about the, the pace that he's kept. I mean, he campaigned and did a rally in South Carolina, Uh, Then he flew to the uh, Religious Broadcasters uh, Convention in Nashville, gave another speech there. Then he flew back to South Carolina to give a victory speech there. Uh, He is leaving men a third of his age who work for him uh, in the dust in terms of his energy level. There's no slippage uh, that I have seen, none whatsoever, uh, in his physical or mental state. I actually think he thrives on combat. He thrives on this fight. Is he angry? Yes. He has every right to be angry. No former president has been treated this way. Uh, The charges against him are, in many cases, ludicrous, uh, in many cases, uh, fabricated. Uh, Think how you would feel uh, if you're charged uh, with illegally retaining uh, classified and top-secret documents only to learn, uh, first of all, believing that, as a president of the United States and as a former president of the United States under the Presidential Records Act, that you have the authority to keep those documents, then learning that Joe Biden retained more documents than you did uh, as a vice president and as a U.S. senator, which he had no authority under the law to hold on to. Uh, but then have the Justice Department conclude that even though, using their words, he had willfully retained documents in violation of the law and had also not kept them in a locked facility but had them in multiple locations, uh, but that Biden will not be prosecuted simply because, well, he's an elderly man and his memory is slipping. Here's what I think. I remember the uh, epic legal fight uh, in which President Richard Nixon sought to keep uh, his White House tapes secret, that he did not want them turned over where they would be made public. The U.S. Supreme Court, I think wrongly, uh, overturned 200 previous years of rulings regarding executive privilege, uh, and uh, because of the political atmosphere in the country, uh, ordered that those tapes be turned over. And they were ultimately made public. Uh, what about the uh, the, t- the tape recording of the interrogation uh, or just the questioning uh, by Special Counsel Robert Hur uh, of Joe Biden? We seem to have two versions of what was said. Biden has made a number of claims that don't seem to match the public record. But why would uh, why would the Congress, for example, why would the House Oversight Committee? or any House committee with subpoena authority uh, seek uh, those recordings. I mean, after all, the Washington Post says that democracy dies in darkness, right? So we should have full disclosure. We should be able to hear uh, Biden's handling of that session with the special counsel. Believe me, if it were Donald Trump, uh, they would most definitely be demanding that it all be released. So the people could make a judgment here. Uh, let's hear those tapes and see what kind of condition Joe Biden was in. I think that is
0: uh, only fair. Absolutely, Roger. And, and it's it's full transparency. And I think the same thing as far as the Biden White House is concerned, the communications, the backdoor communications between uh, officials, you know that they gotta be messaging each other, being like, what the hell are we supposed to do here with this guy? (laughs) I mean, we can't even give him a speech to read. Uh, I saw footage yesterday of the uh, teleprompter that they're using. It looks like a 70 inch flat screen TV with uh, letters this big, and he still struggles to read the damn thing. So, you know, they're hiding, they're running around back and forth, like, what the hell are we supposed to do? And uh, I think it's important for the people to understand that and it's important to know that because where's the policy coming from uh this guy can't read a speech he can't uh, walk down the border we, we saw him in his Forrest gump outfit yesterday with the suit and the hat on and everything uh you know walking around and stumbling around where's the policy coming from where are the decisions coming from if they're coming from kamala harris then she should be president and and, and i know people say oh well kamala harris can't ever be president well if joe biden's not able to do the job she is the vice president that's how it works Uh, And and I'm sorry to, uh, you know, I'm sorry if that's not politically great or whatever, Roger. But at the same time, I think it's better to have somebody who is cognizant, even if they are terrible like Kamala Harris. It's better to have somebody that can actually speak and walk and talk than to have Biden out there. I mean, it's just embarrassing for the country.
1: Well, I think you're, Troy, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, Look, if I'm wrong, and I very well could be wrong. Uh, and Joe Biden hangs in there as the nominee of the Democratic Party, uh, you can bet that, that Trump and the Republicans are going to be making the case that if you're voting for the Biden-Kamala Harris ticket, you are, in fact, voting for Kamala Harris for president. Just based on the actuarial tables, plus what we see with our own eyes, there's at least a high probability that Joe Biden does not survive another term. No, we don't wish that on him. That's not what we're saying. Uh, but I think it is a, a, a legitimate issue. Uh, by the way, uh, Hillary Clinton said his physical condition was a legitimate issue. So uh, if uh, Joe suddenly gets arkansas uh, you'll know how that happened. Uh, Troy, let me make uh, one other key point to you for the weekend. Uh, on my WABC radio show, uh, that's, uh, you can listen to that at WABCradio.com wabcradio.com, this coming Sunday from 4 o'clock to 6 o'clock. I have Colonel John Mills, who analyzes that AT&T cell phone uh, uh, brownout, if you will, uh, last week, and talks about the dangers uh, to our power grid and the very real dangers uh, posed uh, not only to this country by communist China, but also the infiltration of the State Department by certain uh, Iranian uh, compromised actors. Also, talks about the danger of the Cuban spy station that the Chinese have uh, have put 90 miles from our shore. I also have Pastor J.D. Shuttlesworth, who talks about not only his recent uh, trip to the border in El Paso uh, and what he saw there, but the importance of the role of faith in the public arena today. Uh, And then lastly, uh, criminal defense attorney David Schoen joins me on wabcradio.com. So wherever you are in the country, uh, you can go to wabcradio.com. We'll be live streaming from 4 o'clock to 6 o'clock Sunday afternoon, Eastern Time. Uh, You're not going to want to miss any of that great programming. Until uh, Monday, I'm Roger Stone. This is my colleague, uh, Troy Smith. We thank you for joining us today on The Stone Zone. And in the meantime, God bless you and Godspeed.